everyone. It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Lila Drew over Zoom video. Lila was born in the UK, lived there until about three years old, and then her family moved to Santa Monica in Los Angeles. And she grew up there until she moved away to go to college at Yale. We talk about how it was growing up in Los Angeles, how she got into music. She started writing songs around 12 years old, but it wasn't until her senior year of high school she put out a song called Faded slash 2 a.m. And it got premiered on Zane Lowe's radio show on Apple Music. And the song just went crazy pretty much overnight. Now it has upwards of 10 million streams on Spotify. And she was a senior in high school when this happened. So she talks about that crazy experience. She goes to college at Yale, so she talks about that, taking a gap year in between her senior year of high school and attending Yale to write music. She's got a whole record ready to come out. She tells us all about her most recent release, a song called Crystal Ball. You can watch our interview with Lila on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Lila Drew. Awesome. So you're currently at Yale, obviously. Um, but where I were am. you born and raised? Um, so I was born in London, which is strange. Wow. But I moved um, to California when I was pretty young. So I was only in the UK for like first three and a bit years of my life. Okay. Um, and then you, and then where in California? To, to LA. Um, okay. So I would say like born in London, but like very much primarily raised in LA. In LA. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm from San Diego. So oh, cool. how, you're in LA until you went to college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So wow. I was there for what? 16 years. Okay. Yeah. What was it like? What part of LA did you grow up? Sorry. I just lost you for one second. Oh, I said, what, what, where in LA did you grow up? What part? Oh, I grew up like in like Santa Monica area. Wow. Okay. Um, well, it must yeah. be cool growing up there. Tell <laughs> me about that a little bit. Yeah, it was cool. I think LA is a weird place to grow up. Um, mostly just for like geographical reasons is like you don't have that like sense of community really because like the city is actually just so big and so mm -hmm. sprawling um, but I really liked it I think like there was such an emphasis on creativity across the board living in LA um, and like every all of my friends were so sort of like entrenched in like that sort of culture and like going to concerts and like listening to tons of music being really into movies and like that was very much I don't know I, I loved that about growing up in LA um mm -hmm. I think like creativity was really fostered 
whereas I have so many friends from like other parts of the country and they're like oh my parents would hate if I like wanted to do anything creative um, <laughs> right. also, there's something crazy going on over there with people talking I don't know if you can hear that it's um, all right I can <laughs> but, hear you better but, so yeah <laughs> um, anyway but yeah I, I really that is crazy I, I some did, protest I, happening yeah, you know no big deal it's just I think someone's actually acting is what's going on like I think oh. someone's practicing like a scene okay whatever this is like so typical <laughs> typical of this university um, but yeah no I really I would say like I really really enjoyed growing up in LA for for those reasons in the sense like when I started making music doing music it didn't feel like I was doing something you know so out of the ordinary sure, um, sure. and I also always felt like I could really like deeply talk to my peers um, about the arts in like mm -hmm. a you know in like a serious way rather than like when I came to Yale there's so many people who know so much more than I do in so many other areas but like would have no idea about like you know like has have like never seen a contemporary movie for right, example right sure, um, sure. So it's, it's, it's which I also think is so cool and I think mm -hmm. that's something that's been really really compelling about being here um but yeah I liked I, I would say I liked growing up in LA I wish it was like smaller it's right it's, it's big it's my, big my, in a like, fast town right yeah yeah and like less driving um sure. especially when i started recording music in la it mm -hmm. was like me driving from santa monica to burbank like oh, every day uh, yeah. and back every day so i'd be in the car for whatever four hours a day every single day <laughs> sure. so that, you get like that, 20 miles <laughs> i like didn't love that i like wasn't super crazy about that but otherwise um yeah it was it was a really cool place to grow up in did you like were your family or anyone in your, else in your family musical? Like, how did you get into music originally? The only person in my family who was musical is my my mom's mother. Um, play was like unbelievable at piano. Like, had this like okay. amazing, amazing ear and could hear any song and like play it beautifully and perfectly. And I like envy that so much about her. But no one else in my family sings, writes music, plays music really at all. Um, I think I think the biggest the biggest reason, though, was despite that I grew up listening to like, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Okay. Say sorry. whatever you want. I, I grew up listening to just like an absolute fuck ton of music. OK. Um, and I, I really like give that to my parents. Um, I just my parents had like an unbelievable CD collection, especially my dad. Sadly, okay. CDs and not vinyl because they like switched all of them over in the late <laughs> in the late 90s. Um, but yeah, just like they had these a few like huge cabinets in our house mm -hmm. just that were just like CDs. full of tens of thousands of CDs. And there was just always, always music on. And it was it was such like a, you know, the, the breadth of music that was played in my house was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful for that. And my dad's from um, Long Island, like a little top town in Long Island. And so there's a lot of like Springsteen and like sure. <laughs> Billy Joel and stuff like that. But then he also was playing a lot of like public enemy and wow. tribe and mm -hmm. like Lauren Hill and like, and Motown music and reggae. And like, there is such an, unbelievable like amount of music played in my house um so i would say that that would that like i don't know first and foremost i'm like a fan of music more mm -hmm. than i am a musician a hundred percent of the time just because like there's not i i don't know there's nothing more important to me in 
life in the world, like nothing I love more than, than music and listening to music. Um, so I think that really sparked like the sort of the immediate, immediate interest in like sure. the beginning of my life. Um, what was the first instrument you learned? I learned piano because my parents forced me to learn piano. Okay. So um, they wanted you to learn an instrument. They, yeah, at yeah, least, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind they of pushed both, you towards that. They both were like people whose Jewish mothers were like, you must learn an instrument. And they, both, <laughs> okay. and they like both quit. Um, so they were like, you will learn an instrument. And I resented them so much for it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I turned like 11 or 12, I was like, screw this. I'm going to learn how to play guitar. It's so much cooler. Piano sucks. Like it's so boring. I hate classical music. I was still, and my parents were like, if you want to learn guitar, you also still have to learn piano. Cause like you need they to kept get- you on piano. Oh yeah. They were like, <laughs> you have to stay doing piano. Um, but then I started learning guitar and then my bat mitzvah happened. It was too much. I couldn't, okay. I couldn't do. <laughs> what was too much? The piano? The piano, the... piano and guitar and learning Hebrew was too okay. much. Okay. Um, it was too much. So what did you get rid of? The guitar? So I, got, I got rid of the guitar. Um, oh. And yeah, so I kept playing piano. Um, and then I started to really, really love it once I realized that I could write songs on piano that were mine. Um, okay. Rather than playing, playing classical music. Um, and now I play guitar again. So yeah, I've seen, I was going to say circle. on your, your Instagram, you're playing guitar quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. I love guitar. I absolutely, absolutely love it so much. Um, but that like, that's been a pretty recent development. Okay. So you started writing songs on piano around 15. Um, I started, so I started writing songs on piano and guitar when I was still doing that when I was like nine, Oh wow. eight, eight okay. or nine. They were really crap songs for sure. Um, I, I, I went to like a sort of hippie type school and um, they had like a little, like tiny little computer lab mm-hmm. where with like a microphone. So I would go in there and like record my stupid little songs when I was like actually 10 years old. Do you and, have any of that? Still? Oh yeah. I definitely oh, have some awesome. of them. They're crazy. And my voice was, <laughs> my voice was super high and like, all of them were the same. It was me singing. I would uh-huh. play. I would play guitar. I'm so unbelievably bad at guitar that it sounds like <laughs> nothing at all. And so it was like me singing, playing guitar, and then I would use like those shakers that look like fruit. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, like the ch- and ch- ch- yeah, and I'd do that into the mic, like the little apple shakers or like the pear shakers <laughs> or whatever. And that was like all of the songs. Um, and then I started learning how to use GarageBand. And then Ableton and then learning how to use logic um, wow. now. So, mm-hmm. but so when I was younger, I was making a lot of songs like on GarageBand too, which I loved. Like that was so awesome. And were you showing people the songs or they kind of keep them to yourself? Um, I was like, well, at the time I'm, I'm like actually 12 years old. Um, right. okay. So I'm like burning them onto CDs and like <laughs> writing my name on the CDs with, you know, drawing all over the CDs and like, giving it to my parents like that was what was going on okay um or like giving it to my brother um but then yeah a, a little bit after that I started actually I mean by the time I was like 15 started actually you know writing songs that I think were real rather than okay. like tiny little eight-year-old Lila mm-hmm. songs um and yeah writing songs mostly on Ableton that were just like really simple chord progressions with really simple sort of like midi drums um very much i don't know it's it's just so crazy because at the time i was like this is so basic and now so much of like 
you know, what like bedroom pop came with in terms of like that being like an era of music yeah. was, was just that. Um, right. Is, a lot is, of big records coming out that way. Yeah. Right. Which was really, it was really crazy. But yeah, I started making music like that and like actually trying to put together like a collection of songs that I've made, mm-hmm. um, which sort of sparked like those I actually start like did start sharing around. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is sort of. History. Yeah. What was like the first bit of success you had from doing that? Um, I don't know. There was like a really random moment where someone like very, very coincidentally, who had, someone I didn't know very coincidentally heard one of the songs um, like super randomly. It was like my, someone my parents knew was like playing it at their house and this woman was also there. It was like one of these really like nutty things. And she was very like involved in music um, and introduced me to, you know, like a people who worked at a publishing company who then were like, we like your little stupid songs. And if you want, you know, like we'll send them around to our sort of like stable of producers here. And if anyone likes them, you know, you can work here for free. And if no one likes them, you know, have a nice life. And wow. How old are you when this, this was going on? This was like my freshman year of high school. So okay. like 14, I'm like, I'm like 15. Yeah. Yeah. 14. Okay. 14, 14, 15, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I was still really young, like super, super young. Um, and a, a few people end up reaching out, like a few producers end up reaching out to me because of that. Wow. And the next next thing I know, I'm like in high school, like I'm my first year of high school and like doing sessions all the time, um, but really with no purpose, really just like for, you know, the purpose of, of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and because like I was given this opportunity that I felt like I couldn't really pass up. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up making like a small EP with one of those guys. Um, and through that was introduced to like, you know, other producers and like mm-hmm. making other songs that were i don't know i think like the more songs you make obviously the better the songs become mm-hmm. um so it just sort of kept happening like that and then i just kept being in more sessions with different people and new people and same people and just making more and more and more music most of which will never see the light of day of course um but yeah it was a really i, I think like that going back to your first question about you know la too like there's also just such, you know, proximity to like people who are actually making music as a career. Um, right. So You're close really cool. to people, right. You can, yeah. you have more access to, to songwriters and studios and then exactly. lived somewhere else in the country. For sure. For sure. What was the first song that you had that kind of started to take a life of its own, that like kind of take off for you? Yeah. I mean, the first song I ever released, um, it's called faded. Faded slash 2 a.m. I released it in 2018, I think. I might be wrong. I, I, I think mean, I'm that right. song is so many streams. Yeah. And I remember that song coming out and it was really, it was really nuts. Like I, I was in class with my senior year of high school at this point. Uh-huh. I was in class with like my AirPods in with my hair over the AirPods. So nobody could see. Uh, so no, nobody could see. And like listening to my song being premiered on Zane Lowe's Apple radio show. Wow. Which was like so nuts. And I'd only found out about it 
like two days before that he like really really liked the song and wanted. To and how did he find the song? I by by that point I was I had signed with a manager okay. who I'd met through through sort of like making a bunch of these these songs. Um, okay. And yeah, so we we released the song and it, it you know totally took on a life of its own, which is mm-hmm. really really wild. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure, that was the first first time when yeah. I was I was like, oh my god, people are listening to this. And I remember showing one of my friends like at school at lunch that day because you you know you can like watch the streams tick up mm-hmm. on spotify and there was like it's just so many more streams than i ever could have imagined in, like such a short period of time and that was the first song i'd ever ever put out so yeah that was so that was nuts um, yeah validated what you've been doing obviously yeah. your career path your choice yeah and sure. wow what were your friends saying like oh my gosh like this is well, this is crazy is so this is real the craziest part i really like didn't tell anyone over the course of my high school career that i made music like at all oh, um you just it was kept like it to yourself i just kept to myself there's like too much competitiveness in um you know in a space like that in which like so many people are also trying to like yeah music or, what are they or, gonna do they're gonna downplay what you're doing of course probably I don't know. It, wasn't even, like, it wasn't even really about that i was just like this I, this is for me and okay you know it's not something that like i talked about a lot also i was really like i'm so not like this anymore but in high school i was like a super type a like, student okay so i was also like super focused on trying to you know do well in school and like well, obviously, it, you're at Yale. Apply to college. <laughs> um, and so I just like was re- I was really focused on that um, during high school for sure. But yeah, so I think the the biggest thing that happened at that point was everyone in my high school was like, "What the fuck?" Right. Like, in what world do you like do this? And why is <laughs> why is like yeah? Why do you have like these streaming numbers? How did this happen? Uh-huh. We didn't know any of this about you. So that was really really funny. That's um, cool. And it's been so different coming to Yale because everyone, you know, knew that about me coming in. Um, oh, yeah. They knew that you had those numbers when you went to Yale? For sure. For sure. Uh, um, okay. So it's been a really, like, different experience in the sense that, like, yeah, like, I, I released, I've released two songs um, in mm-hmm. the past few months, like, since I've been here. And, like, it's been so insane to, like, walk around campus and people be like, Lila, like, we love your song. We love 2023. We love crystal ball. Like, like people, wow. I don't know. People I don't yeah. know and people I do. So that's been really awesome. Um, such like a, such a supportive community here too. It's nuts. Super cool. What did you, or what are you going to college for music? Um, no, <laughs> <You're> like, nah. <laughs> no, um, the, I, I would love to, I'm certainly like taking music classes here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the music major here is very like classical based, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of voice as well, um, and I can't sing opera for the life of me, so I'm currently studying English. But oh, I mean that works. Quasi, right? quasi <laughs> up in the air. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm honestly more focused here on like improving my songwriting as much as I can, um, and you know, taking music theory classes and doing all of that too, sure. um, just to try to like improve those muscles but yeah i'm i'm super super focused on like how do i become the best writer that i can and i i absolutely love to write so that's that's the focus right now that's awesome that is this yeah. your first year at yale this is my second year so oh, I took second a, year 
I took a year off after high school just to make music, to um, work on like a full length project Mm -hmm. and then came. So that was crazy because I also did like half, half of that was like pre COVID as well. Okay. So you graduated before COVID. Uh, Yeah. I graduated in in spring of 2019. So I, yeah, I graduated before COVID happened and then came to Yale last fall. Um, So a year and a half ago and did the entirety of last year online. Um, But I did, so I did the first half of my first year on campus, but online. Okay. So I was living here, but doing all my class online. And then I did the second half completely online, not, not at Yale. Um, And now I'm here and all my classes are in person and so great. So that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what was it like having your first year of college be not a real, probably a college experience? It was crazy. I will say that I think like the way that Yale is set up in terms Uh of like, you have like the, like the how sort of like houses in which you live Mm -hmm. um, makes it really like pretty easy to meet people. Um, And so I, I certainly like was in a really lucky position, which I didn't feel alienated from my peers. That's good. Um, because of COVID, but certainly like my class experience was super different than mm-hmm. it would be in person. Some of that was good. Like I have a math requirement here. I'm horrible at math. Like it allowed me to, you know, study like, a bit harder. <laughs> yeah. Like it allowed me to do better in, in like those classes, but certainly in classes where, you know, that are like seminar style and there are nine people in them. I was in a music class last year that was three people. Like those classes on Zoom are certainly like more, it's way more challenging to stay engaged oh, than, than in, in a, in a classroom. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, when you had those huge streaming numbers, obviously right away with, with faded 2am were ma- labels and people reaching out to you, I would imagine quite a bit, quite often. Yeah. That was how so crazy you, as well. Yeah. How did you deal with that? I was sort of just like, I don't know. I think at the time I was just like, this is my first song. Like, and I just, I put out myself and like, uh-huh. why would I want anyone take, like taking, you know, ownership over this if I, if it's like doing fine by itself. Right. Right. Um, but certainly, certainly it was really, really cool to like receive that feedback um, from like so many labels and, and people like that. That was, I remember just being like, this is so nuts. Um, mm-hmm. it, that was so crazy to me. Um and yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was, that was really, I, I was so like shocked by that. I was just like, why does anyone care about, about this? Um, but I do think the, the biggest element of that, like to me was just that I had to keep putting out more music um, mm-hmm. and I had to keep making more music. And like, I had no choice in, in that. Um, Did you worry about this next record that you put out not living up to the first one or was that not even a thought? Not really. I was, I was really excited about it, which is awesome. Um, I was like, so enchanted by like the whole thing, um, mm-hmm. probably in a little bit of a different way than I am now, just cause it's been a few years um, since then. But I think, mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway from it was one, I need to take a year off before I go to school. Um, and mm-hmm. two, I, yeah, I just need to like keep myself in the studio as much as I possibly can and keep writing as much as I can. Um, yeah. And really like actually take some time to think about what I was writing as well as just writing it. Mm-hmm. And so you've put out uh, 2023 and crystal bar. Are they going to be on your record coming out? 
Um, I don't know if I'm like allowed to say that, but yeah. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love yes. that. Yeah. Okay. So after after Faded came out, I ended up putting out another single and then a small EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then released like two one-off singles after that. And then it had been, and then COVID happened. And then yeah. So the first like oh, wow. two songs, how did that yeah? I mean, you had a lot of momentum going and then COVID happens. Did you have like big plans to play a bunch of live shows or? Yeah, I did. I will say that when COVID happened, I was like in really intensive, like studio mode Okay. in in a crazy way. Cause I graduated high school and I was like, I hate to say this too, but I was just so fed up with so much of the music that I had released and that I had made. I felt like I had really like changed a lot as a person my mm-hmm. interests had changed. My musical interests had changed, um, which I think is only natural when you start putting up music when you're, you know, 17. Of course. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like almost 20. And, you mm-hmm. know, that is such like an, I don't know. I think the difference between like being like 16 and being 19 difference between being 17 and 20 is absolutely massive. Oh, yeah. In terms of just like personal growth. So mm-hmm. I was in such a different spot. Um when you know i got out of high school and when i started making this new music than i was you know even because when i when i wrote faded i was 16 you know mm-hmm. even if it took so long to put it out so i don't know i i i really like set my mind to making a body of work that i really really love um like very deeply love and like that i could listen to without critique mm-hmm. um and that i could feel like uninhibited about um and yeah so when COVID happened I had been basically in the studio for every like every single day since wow. July or August or something and it's now March um and I was writing a lot mostly in LA but a bit in New York and a bit um in a town called Bath outside of London um so yeah I, I'd really like been just in a very intensive mode and then COVID happened and I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to any of this music for a little bit. Like I have, oh, you just put it away. Put it yeah, to the I, was side. Like, I, have, I have so much flexibility right now. Mm-hmm. This is such a great opportunity for me to like really reflect on what I've made mm-hmm. and like what an insane like opportunity that is. It's something you like never get when you're making music is you never like get time to be like, okay, I'm going to like stop and actually right. like, really, really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did for a little bit and then I came back to it and I was like, Oh my God, there is so much that needs to be changed. And really? So yeah. when you came back to the songs, you had a totally different perspective on totally it. totally different perspective. I also think that um, I started learning how to play guitar again in uh-huh. during cu- quarantine, which so many people did. But I was like spending, you know, 100% of my days learning how to play guitar and writing new songs, new material um, and listening to like much different music than I was listening to, you know, in like the prior months. So I think like all of that really sort of shifted my perspective. And I thought a lot more about like, I don't know, I thought a lot more deeply about like what kinds of instruments do I want to be on this? Like how, you know how do I incorporate this like sort of humanness that I feel like is coming from these new songs I'm writing on guitar um, into, you know, like a sort of intrinsically pop record. Um, So yeah, it was, it was a really, I mean, yeah, it was definitely 
obviously quarantine was challenging. I was in a lucky spot to be able to like be with my family mm-hmm. um, and be in like nice weather and the whole thing. But yeah, it really, really changed my perspective on the music and I think has changed it permanently too. Did you, the songs that you had that you were coming back to, like hearing them again and getting all these new ideas, did you just go back to the studio and start fresh? No, because it was still locked down. So most of that ended up happening remotely. Um, So I ended up re-recording a lot of it in my room, which was a really, I really, really, really enjoyed that. I'd never like tracked my own vocals properly before since I was like, since I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm going to like learn how to really, really do this. Like learn how to comp do like 50 takes of my song and then go through every 50 take and like choose the best parts of each take and do the whole thing. Um, and like learning how to be objective with like my own voice and my, and my, and my vocals. Um, and then ended up doing a lot of it remotely too. Like just zoom calls, emails, texts, like, you know, and, and which was cool in a way because it was, it allowed us to like really track the progress of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some of the, some of the, like, you know, some of the songs we have, whatever, 35, 40 versions of but wow. at the end, at the end, yeah, because yeah. you just start like tweaking such small things. But I, I do think that I had a lot of clarity about what I like the changes that I wanted to make to mm-hmm. the songs, um, both lyrically, sonically, vocally, whatever. Um, I, had a, I had a huge amount of clarity going in. So I think it wasn't super, super difficult to be like, okay, this is exactly what I need to be changed. Or like, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and I was really, you know, lucky to work with some like fantastic collaborators on it too, who like really understood what I meant by all of those things. And mm-hmm. it still did t- end up taking a lot of time. Like, I can't lie. Like, it ended up being another whatever year, right, eight months right. of that. So, but so, all the vocals yeah. on the these songs that are coming out now are all recorded by you in your room. Not all of them. Okay, but a good amount of them. Yeah. Wow. Not all, but not. Was it all hard of them. to produce your own voice? Um, at first, it was just really frustrating. Okay. I was just like, I suck. Is <laughs> was basically the sentiment. I was just like, I'm so bad at this. And not producing, just that like singing, because imagine like having to listen to your own voice, like say, oh, yeah, hear it say back. the same word, like the same actual phrase 30 times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think like you learn more and more how to be objective or like whatever objective means, but like more objective with mm-hmm. with that and choosing like emotiveness. I don't know if that's a word choosing like. Yeah, the like more emotional takes or like mm-hmm. the more intimate takes over the ones where you just like sound really good. And right. sometimes doing sometimes doing the opposite and like understanding what's necessary for each song, which I think is like such a such a gift that like so many producers I know have and that I don't I didn't think I did, but I really, really enjoyed it. It taught me a lot about my own voice, is what I'll mm-hmm. say. Um, in the end of the day. It taught me taught me a huge amount about like how I like to sing, what works, what doesn't. Um when like I was really the one digging in there, but it was also really frustrating. And I'd spend like four days recording vocals for one song. And it was, yeah, it was certainly frustrating, but there, yeah. there was all, there was something cool about like sitting on my bedroom floor and like 
like yelling into my microphone. Right. Yeah. I could see where you're, where you're coming from, though, like yeah. getting too over analytical about it. Mm. Oh, I could have said this word a little bit better. I got, let me go yeah. back and try it again. Like, And I like so getting... am that person. Too. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really am that person um, in every sense. I like hate everything that, that I do in the music. So it was it was really it was challenging at first, for sure, to be like, yeah, okay, let it well, go. Like, well, <laughs> like, it sounds good. Um, but in the end, I, I'm really happy with it. And I also think it, it like you can hear it and you can like feel it, um, uh-huh. in, in the music that like, there's a real sort of like honesty. Um, and I, I always say this to people I work with, but I, I, it was really important for me for people to hear the songs and feel as though my voice is very physically close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel like the song is very physically close to them. I didn't want it to feel as if you're like standing in an arena and hearing it from afar. I wanted to feel like someone's like whispering into your ear when you listen to yeah. it. That sounds super cliche, but no. I, I think like that was, there's an element of like me recording in my bedroom that mm-hmm. allows, allows for that, that feeling and that sort of like electricity even if there is like a little more white noise than there would normally be. Yeah. I like the grit. Yeah. Yeah. I like hearing the, yeah, the grit in some of the songs and making it sound a lot more real than for sure. Perfectly recorded in some, you know, $5,000 microphone or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Is it hard to juggle school with writing music? And I mean, especially at Yale, I'd assume you've got a lot of work (laughs) going on. Like, Mm. is it hard to kind of, you know, navigate that? Yes. Um, short answer okay. is yes. <laughs> um, it definitely is. I, I've been like in sort of like this like release mindset since mm-hmm. I got here of being like, okay, we have songs that we need to put out. We have videos we need to put out. And so that's certainly been difficult to, to juggle just because in that process, everything is so, you know, we need this in five minutes. We need this in right. 10 minutes. And I'm like, I'm in class for the next 45 minutes. Um, or whatever, or I have an essay or I have whatever, but I think my teachers have been really accommodating is what I, one thing I'll say been really, really lovely about like, you know, the deadlines I have outside of, you know, their essay deadlines and things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also, they're able to work with you a bit. Yeah, that for sure. And I also think that the like school provides a structure that, like doing music as a career would never give me and music like making music outside of school provides like such a deep level of like creative freedom Mm -hmm. that school like would never give me so I think there is like a little bit of like a mental balance there that I think is interesting Mm -hmm. for sure I've been writing music since I've been here like new music um but I also like that's become a big form of like academic procrastination for me (laughs) (laughs) is I'll be like, I'm doing something really, I'm like, this is productive. Like I'm writing a new song and this is awesome. But Mm -hmm. then in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have 10 pages to do tomorrow. And like, I should do that too. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But but music, music will always, always come first for me, for sure. I think the more challenging element of that is balancing school and music and making sure that I have, things going on in my life that I can write about in the music. Mm. 
mm-hmm. um, because if I'm just in the library all the time, I'm never going to write. Not, not much inspiration there. No, I'm, it's, I'm never, ever going to write, write good music. So it's been really important for me to like seek out, you know, some like new experiences, new people um, that allow, allow me to write more um, as well as doing school and, you know, working to like put music out too. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you so much, Lila. I appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, the most thank recent you. song you put out was uh, Crystal Ball. What can you tell me about that song real quick? Oh, my God. Um, it is one of the most personal songs I've ever written. It's a very sort of like deep, emotive thing about um, anxiety and the way it plays out and like the frustration that comes with feeling like the things that you hate that you do, you'll continue to do for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but it's also really sort of a contemplative song and a quiet song and there's a cello in it and I love it and I hope people listening love it as well. So yeah, Amazing. that's what I can say about that. Awesome. And do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Oh my God. I feel like I'm an inspiring artist. So well, I mean, you've done a <laughs> lot a way, in, in your career. So I, I, um, I wonder if you have any knowledge yeah, you can I would pass say, forward. I would say the most important thing for me in making music that I really, really love. I think it's always like sounds silly to people when I say that I, I make like a lot of the music I've made, I don't love because they're like, you made it. Why wouldn't you love it? Um, is to not think so much about, the references or not think so much about the music that you love um and rather you know think more about like the music that you naturally make like if you had never listened to music before what would be the music that you would you would make um or like what would be the sounds that you would gravitate towards rather than being like frank ocean is the best artist of all time and like i just need to make music that's like that um i think i felt that way for a long time and i feel like i've escaped it a little bit and feel so much freer in the music that I'm writing and the music that I'm making and so much happier in it too, because it really feels like I have ownership over it. Um, and like, it's mine and you know, that it wasn't relying so heavily on anything else. That isn't to say like, don't listen to music, like absolutely listen to music. But you know, when you're in the studio, when you're like writing music, recording music, you know, that's, that's yours for sure. So that's, that's, that's no one else's.